Welcome to today's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind, with permission of the Worcester News, and recorded on Thursday the 8th of December 2022, here at Colin Chance House. I'm Evelyn Brock, editor for this edition, and with me to read the articles today are Moira Lowe, Richard Pugh, Penny Welford, and also one article we hope will be read by Annabel Hall, a young lady from the Sixth Form College who is doing some valuable work on our talking books, and we're giving her the chance to shine this evening. Our sound engineer is Alex Gwynne, and we are, as usual, ably supported by the admin team led by Carol Hartle. A warm welcome to all our listeners, especially new ones. I do hope you enjoy this week's offering. In addition to news items, you'll hear some useful telephone numbers and readers' published letters, birthdays and thought for the week. Nowadays, the obituaries are placed following the closing music, so if you wish to hear those, please stay tuned then. Don't forget that recordings are usually available as podcasts, but at present talking books are not available on memory sticks, but rather on CDs and tape. Also, do let us know your birthdays if you haven't done that before, so that we can greet you for your special day when the time comes. This service is free to users, but if you would like to make a voluntary donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester WR5 1DA. We do like hearing from you and a message can be left on our answer phone, Worcester, that's 01905 767 766 or you could add a note to your wallet. If there's a problem with any aspect of your receiving recordings, please use the answer phone on the number I've just given and leave a message to that effect. So, we'll start with the thought for the week to be read by Penny. The thought for the week comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Thank you, Penny. Now, Moira, please may we hear the birthdays. Okay, the birthdays for this coming week are on the 14th of December, Maisie Mountford and Deborah Fryer, and on the 15th, Charles Hooper. So, happy birthday to you all. Yes, happy birthday. Have a lovely day. Now, some useful telephone numbers. You've already had the number for here, Colin Chance House. Police 
non-emergency 101, NHS Direct 111, out of hours medical assistance 0300-123-3211 and that's available from 6 to 8 in the evening. Crime Stoppers 0800-555-1. Worcester Hub for Council Matters Worcester 765765. Council Help Facility, here to help, Worcester 768053, and you are to ask for option three. The Community Team for Fire Safety, 0800-032-1155. Domestic Abuse Helpline, 0800-980-331 Worcester the Theatres Worcester 611427 and Malvern Theatres 01684-892277 and Samaritans 116123 and that's a free phone number. Now, an addition this evening in the realms of what's on in Worcester, I've asked Richard to tell you about Worcester's cathedral music for the Christmas period. Richard is a member of the cathedral choir, so we feel we have a mole. <laughs> So, Richard, can you please tell us about Christmas in Worcester Cathedral? Member of the Cathedral Choir, retired. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most loved activities at Christmas is music. In particular, carol singing, whether taking part or simply listening, and is a wonderful way to start your Christmas. In Worcester, there will be many churches holding such services to which you will be made most welcome. These services are often based on the Nine Lessons and Carols format made famous since 1918 by King's College, Cambridge. Worcester has a long tradition of such services, not least of all at the Cathedral. It is your Cathedral, and if you have not experienced a service there before, a carol service is a very good place to start. Of the many different services taking place during the week before Christmas, may we highlight the following. On Wednesday 21st of December, there will be the Worcester News carol service starting at 6.30pm. All are most welcome to come and share this very popular event, and this year there will be no need for tickets. On Thursday the 22nd and Friday the 23rd of December, there will be the wonderful traditional cathedral carol services. These both start at 6.30pm and are open to all. All three services will feature the world-famous cathedral choir. By the way, these services are usually very well attended, 
so you are recommended to arrive early in order to get a good seat. There are services with music at the cathedral every day before Christmas, and in addition to the midnight service on Christmas Eve, on Christmas Day itself there is a Eucharist at 10.30am and Evensong at 4pm, all sung by the cathedral choir. Should you want further information, you can telephone the chapter office on Worcester 732900. Thank you, Richard. And now we'll start with the headline articles for the week. And I'm going to begin with Friday, December the 2nd. And the headline, unsurprisingly, was about the Victorian Fair. Trade on high in fair boom. Victorian festivities push sales. Traders were readying themselves for a busy four days as large crowds enjoyed the launch of Worcester's Victorian Christmas Fair. All throughout the city centre, festive shoppers were browsing through the various stalls and food options of independent traders from around Worcester and beyond. There was barely space to move on the high street and the corn market, which was good news for stalls and shops. Yesterday, many of the stalls said they had already made lots of sales and were looking forward to a busy weekend. Gemma Blake of Yum Sweet Treats said, It has been super busy. It's been amazing. Yum Sweet Treats are selling a variety of baked cakes, biscuits and brownies on the high street. Victoria Seaborn of Divine Donuts on the High Street said, It's been great so far. Lots of people have come out, which is great to see. I'm here all weekend selling our donuts. For the first time, the Shambles was also part of the Victorian Christmas Fair, with stalls selling a variety of foods and homemade goods. Ben Dully of Salt Pig Curing Company on the Shambles said, We have lots of options here, so come down to check it out. Nick Riley of Three Bears Bakery said, We've done pretty well so far. We are Worcester-based and a lot of our regular customers have come to visit. Councillor Lynn Denham, Cathedral Ward City Councillor, said, it's so important to the people of Worcester and it's great to see what it does for the local economy. We generally get coaches and coaches of people coming to visit every year. And the headline for the weekend edition, that's for Saturday and Sunday the 3rd and 4th of December, the headline reads, War Vet Took OAP's Money. Helpful Friend preyed on grieving woman. A heartless man befriended an elderly woman before stealing cash from her drawer while she was upset. War veteran Andrew Rolfe came close to being jailed after stealing £900 from the Droitwich home of the 86-year-old victim who had just learned of a bereavement. Magistrates told Rolfe there had been some planning to his crime and he had breached the trust of the vulnerable victim. 
the 63-year-old of Worcester Road, Droitwich, admitted theft in dwelling when he appeared at Worcester Magistrates Court on Thursday, December the 1st. Sumreen Afsar, prosecuting, said Rolf got to know the victim as a neighbour before going on to do jobs for her. He befriended her, Mrs Afsar said. So much so, she gave him a set of keys to her house. She would give him money going to the bank for her. The prosecutor said on September the 23rd this year, the victim was given bad news, learning of a bereavement. She was upset, crying, the prosecutor said. He comes in, using the keys, and consoles her. He said he would make her a cup of tea. The prosecutor said the victim went into her living room, but after getting concerned after not hearing the kettle boiling, she found Rolf with one hand behind his back in her room. Mrs Afsar said Rolf left giving the victim a cold cup of tea and claiming he had to go and help someone else. The victim then discovered £900 in an envelope in her bedroom drawer was gone. The court heard the victim's personal statement in which she said she didn't think she could get over what had happened and added she would have happily given the money to Rolf if he'd asked. Elmay Macy defending said Rolf was extremely remorseful and repulsed by what he had done. She explained shortly after the crime Rolf had gone on holiday, but the thought of it engulfed him, going to the police station on his return to admit what he did. He has tried to put it right, the solicitor said. He tried to contact her to give the money back. He has brought the £900 with him today. Miss Macy said it was out of character for Rolf, having served in the army between 1976 and 1994, taking part in operations abroad, including in Iraq. She added Rolf had a brain injury, which he was getting support from the, from the Headway Charity for. Chairman of the bench, Simon Edgerton, said, You had a high degree of trust and responsibility. The victim just simply by her age, is vulnerable. He jailed Rolf for 24 weeks, suspended for 24 months, warning him if he committed another offence in that period, he would go to jail. Rolf was ordered to pay costs of £185 and a victim surcharge of £154, as well as £900 compensation to the victim. Magistrates accepted Rolf's offer to pay the total 1,239 in full within 28 days. Okay, my headline is from Monday, December the 5th. Hope to bring more trains. Frustrated commuters are set to benefit as more trains will serve the city as part of a huge multi-billion pound rail project. Extra services between Worcester and Birmingham would be provided as part of the Midlands Rail Hub project with an ambition to eventually connect the county with the controversial high-speed HS2 line. Under the plans revealed by Midlands Connect today, December the 5th, another train would stop at Worcester Fourgate Street from Birmingham Moor Street every hour, which would connect the city to HS2 via Birmingham's new Curzon Street terminal. An extra train would also run between Worcester Fourgate Street and Hereford via Bromsgrove, Droitwich and Great Malvern every hour 
doubling the number of services to every half an hour rather than once an hour. Half-hourly services would also run in both directions between Birmingham and Cardiff through Worcestershire Parkway near Worcester, where trains currently only run once every hour. Midlands Connect said it would cut the journey time between Worcester and Birmingham by around five minutes. The work could start in 2025 with an aim of finishing by 2030. The new services would require some engineering works with parts of the single track line between Worcester and Hereford doubled up so trains can move past each other safely and more often. Two extra services will also be put on between Birmingham and Redditch and Bromsgrove so trains would be available every 10 minutes. The multi-billion pound Midlands Rail Hub aims to improve train connections between Birmingham, the rest of the West Midlands, Worcestershire, Herefordshire, the East Midlands, the South West and Wales through improvements to various routes, tracks, junctions, stations and platforms and signalling. Sir John Peace, chair of the Midlands Connect, said, This is a truly momentous occasion for us. We are proud to unveil this detailed plan for infrastructure changes which will transform our region. We know the project is the backing of the businesses, communities and political leaders in the Midlands and we stand ready to kick-start its delivery and get spades in the ground. The Midlands Rail Hub will significantly impact the future of travel for generations to come. From Tuesday, December the 6th issue, we see the front page uh, headline of Whole Lot of Bother. This is inspired by a a subheading of Hundreds Stuck in Gridlock as Manhole Cover Clipped. On page three, there's a a photograph of a a lot of traffic sitting there, not going anywhere fast. And with the subheadline, Roadworks Delay is Due to Manhole. Long queues that caused major jams on the A449 yesterday were caused by a dangerous manhole. The manhole was hit by a vehicle at speed on the road, leaving it unsafe for motorists, said Worcestershire County Council's Highways Department. Drivers were queuing yesterday morning on the A449 past Ombersley due to the roadworks to fix it blocking off one lane on the dual carriageway. The work was being carried out near the turn for Hadley. One lane is expected to be shut again this morning, although work is well underway to resolve the problem and it is expected to be fixed today. It was confirmed by Worcestershire County Council that the manhole in the road had to be inverted commas, coned off, close inverted commas, and fast-setting repair material had to be ordered in. They acted after a vehicle hit the manhole at speed and it came loose, making the area very dangerous. Worcester news readers were among those caught up in the traffic problems. Philip Tetzel was one of the unlucky motorists who queued in the traffic on the A449. He said, I got caught in this traffic this morning, and there was not a workman in sight. Joanne Brixton suggested the A449 experiences a lot of traffic-related issues. She said, it is the same thing each day and night. Julie Phillips expressed her frustration with the amount of traffic surrounding Worcester. She said, 
every key road into the city has temporary lights. And now from Wednesday, December the 7th, the headline is Dancing Thugs Smash Up Salon. Beauty parlour owner counts the cost of vandals. A trio of young thugs have been caught on camera smashing the windows of a beauty salon, leaving a business owner counting the cost. Katie Smith said she was angry and disappointed after the gang targeted her business, Katie's hair and beauty retreat. Ring doorbell footage shows the moment three youths are walking along Brickfields Road before one can be seen bending down to pick something up. The gang go out of view, just as the video captures the sound of glass smashing on Saturday, December the 3rd, in the early hours of the morning. Miss Smith said the damage caused to the building is going to cost £2,000 to fix. She said, what took them seconds to do will cost me two grand to fix. I'm angry and disappointed, and I'm also a single parent with this new cost. Nothing was taken. Our Christmas tree is still intact. They just casually smashed our windows, and we've got them on film, singing and dancing. Miss Smith rang the police at 1.45am on Saturday after she was called to say there was glass all over the floor. She said, Someone rang to say there was glass all over the floor, so I rang the police, and they said that they were out on another job. I told the police I think someone is in my shop, and the officer said my advice to you would be to go home. For all they knew, I could have been dead in my salon. Miss Smith believes that the vandals who targeted her salon may be the same people who recently targeted the new Checkers pub on Astwood Road. She said, this is the second business that's been targeted. We have to wait for the glass to be fixed. We have had to board up the window after what happened, but it's now freezing. Windows at the new Checkers pub were smashed in the early hours of the morning on Sunday, November the 20th. The pub's windows had to be replaced following the attack. CCTV footage captured the moment two people threw bricks through the windows of the pub before quickly running away from the scene. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, At around 1.50pm on Saturday, December the 3rd, we received a report of a break-in at a hair salon in Brickfields Road, Worcester. Officers have been assigned to this case and investigations are ongoing. All reports we receive are assessed using threat, harm and risk principles. In each case, proportionate lines of inquiry will be considered when making decisions regarding the allocation and deployment of the investigative resources. The headline for Thursday's edition, that's December the 8th, School hit by three fever cases. 
that continues on the inside, parents urged to look out for scarlet fever. The County Council has urged parents to look out for scarlet fever symptoms. With nine suspected cases in Worcestershire last week and three confirmed at a primary school today, the Council has moved to reassure parents. Interim Director of Public Health, Liz Alte, has advised parents to keep an eye on their children's health and issued a reminder of what to look out for. She said, We know that it is really worrying for parents with so many stories in the media at the moment, but most strep A infections are mild. It's really important for parents to closely monitor their children's health. The first signs of scarlet fever can be flu-like symptoms, including a high temperature, a sore throat and swollen neck glands, a large lump on the side of your neck. A rash appears 12 to 48 hours later. It looks like small raised bumps and starts on the chest and tummy and then spreads. The rash makes your skin feel rough like sandpaper. Data released by the UK Health Security Agency shows that in the week ending December the 4th, there were eight suspected cases of scarlet fever in Worcestershire. Scarlet fever is caused by the bacteria group A. streptococci, which can, in very rare occasions, get into the bloodstream and cause, and cause invasive group A strep. Today, December the 7th, the head at Martley Primary School, Lucy Cox, confirmed there were three cases of scarlet fever at the school last week. Mrs Alte has said that any parents who suspect their child may have the infection should contact the NHS or their GP. If you think your child has scarlet fever or seems seriously unwell, please contact NHS 111 or your GP, she said. You should call 999 or go to A&E if your child is having difficulty breathing or is not responsive. On what to do to prevent your child from catching scarlet fever and other illnesses, Mrs Alte added, To help keep children well this winter, stick to good hygiene such as regular hand washing and using a tissue when coughing or sneezing. Parents can also download the Handy app, which has expert information on how best to manage the six most common childhood illnesses diarrhoea, vomiting, high temperatures, chestiness, newborn problems and stomach pain. The article continues uh, with fever cases at school. A primary school has confirmed three cases of scarlet fever which is linked to strep A, the infection behind nine deaths nationally. Head of school at Martley Primary School Lucy Cox said the cases were all confirmed last week. Mrs Cox said the children's parents had all spotted the signs and reported it immediately to their GP. The school said it has contacted all parents to let them know and has followed all health and safety guidelines. Scarlet fever is usually a mild illness, but it is highly infectious, according to the UK Health Security Agency. UKHSA. In very rare cases at 
it can cause the invasive form of strep A. At least nine children across the UK are believed to have died from an invasive form of strep A bacteria. Mrs Cox said, I can confirm we had three cases of scarlet fever last week. In each case, parents ident identified the symptoms and contacted their GP. The school has followed all health and safety guidance. Parents have been kept fully informed and asked to be extremely vigilant. Information has been sent out advising parents of the symptoms and have recommended that any concerns are reported immediately to their GP. The safety of our children, staff and families is of paramount importance to us and we have a full range of measures in place to minimise the risk of further cases. We will continue to ensure parents are informed. Scarlet fever is caused by the bacteria group A streptococci and in very, very rare occasions this bacteria can get into the bloodstream and cause invasive group A strep. Occurring most often in the winter and spring, symptoms include a rash, sore throat, flushed cheeks and a swollen tongue. The bacteria is spread by contact with an infected person or contact with infected skin lesions. Anybody can catch scarlet fever, although it is more common in children than adults, with the infection most common in children aged 5 to 15 years old. UK HSA officials have suggested that a lack of mixing due to the COVID pandemic plus susceptibility in children are probably bringing forward the normal scarlet fever season from spring to this side of Christmas. Downing Street urged parents to be on the lookout for symptoms earlier this week after a rise in infections caused by the strep A bacteria. Children or adults diagnosed with scarlet fever are advised to stay at home until at least 24 hours after the start of antibiotic treatment to avoid spreading the infection to others. If, scarlet, if signs of scarlet fever are suspected, it is important to contact your local GMP, GP or NHS 111. Thank you, Penny. Now I'll ask Richard to read a sports article from this last week, please. Yes, on uh, December the 5th, the back page of the news shows the dramatic headline, Chaotic Start. And the subheading, Corn's first game ends in dramatic defeat as Whitchurch spoiled the party in pulsating clash. There's a photograph showing one of the goals uh, going in. Doesn't say which one. The new Worcester City era under Chris Corns started with a chaotic late defeat as Whitchurch Allport edged a nine goal thriller on Saturday. Dylan Hart's debut goal put City ahead and Taylor Randall's brilliant half volley extended their lead before James Rowland pulled one back. The second period was hardly a minute old when Hart made it 3-1 with a composed finish but two goals in three minutes from Sam Yeardley and Alex Hughes pulled Whitchurch level. Worcester retook the lead seven minutes later when Taylor Randall's cross found the bottom corner but Corn's side could not hold on 
as Jordan Evans scored twice in the final 10 minutes to steal all three points after a pulsating 90 minutes. Having had his first game delayed for two weeks, Corns finally took to the touchline on Saturday for the first time in the City Colours. New signings Dylan Hart, Connor Jakeways, Jordan Stoddart and Alex Worley all started from the outset. It was the striker signed from Beaudley that got City off the mark. Hart poked home from close range in the 16th minute after Bailey Fuller had kept the ball in play to give Corn's men the dream start. But it was to get better in the 22nd minute, as a super half-volley from the impressive Taylor Randall made it 2-0. Having been shocked early on, the hosts found a way back into the game, when Roland's low strike from the edge of the box found the corner of Adam Harrison's net. It remained 2-1 at the interval, but both sides flew out of the blocks at the start of the second half. Not even 60 seconds had been played when Taylor Randall played Hart in behind the Allport defence and the deadly finisher was never going to miss, and all of a sudden it was 3-1. But the lead did not last long as Yeardley's brilliant strike pulled one back and a long ball over the top enabled Hughes to level it up at 3-3. It looked like it would be a goal every time either side went forward, but it was a rather fortuitous fourth for City, as Taylor Randall's ball into the six-yard box beat everyone before nestling into the bottom corner. City were then undone, with ten minutes to play, as Evans deflected strike bobbled in off the post. It looked like being a point each, but Evans struck in stoppage time to head home the winner and steal the points. Thank you, Richard. I'm going to ask Moira and Penny to read the two only readers' letters we've had available to us this last week. So off you go, Moira. Okay, my letter is from Jean Smallwood. Dear Editor, my friends in Worcester tell me that you have recently featured an item on Worcester Post Office and showed a picture of my late husband, Philip Smallwood, in the new issue shorts. And there's a picture of him, great big smiley face, leaning on a post box. I thought you might like some background to the story. In the heat wave, my husband, who was not very tolerant of the heat, came home from work complaining that his shirt was wet and sweat had run down his leg legs and his socks were cold and wet. He wanted to know if he had any shorts that he could wear for work and hearing that he hadn't any suitable shorts and that at half past six in the evening I couldn't go and buy any said that he was going to cut down the legs for a pair of uniform trousers and wear them the next day. I was horrified at the suggestion that he was going to hack off the bottom of his trousers. We looked at his uniform trousers and chose the pair that had sagging knees and I carefully measured him and the trousers and worked out how much to cut off and also manufactured shorts that had a turn-up like the uniform trousers. It took me five hours. Hand-stitching hems and turn-ups, bearing in mind I'm not adept at dressmaking. I think that might be turn-ups rather than turn-ups, it says here. 
Um, Philip went to bed. I was fast asleep by the time I'd finished them and pressed them and did think that I'd made a good job of them. The next day when Philip came home, he told me what the reaction had been. The PHG, postal higher grade, on seeing Philip in shorts, told him to go home and put on some uniform trousers. Philip replied that these were uniform trousers. No, they are not. They are shorts. Philip said that if the PhD cared to look at the waistband, he would see the label which identified them as post office issue. He was sent upstairs to the sorting officer manager where he was told that he had to wear official uniform. He reiterated that they were official uniform, only in a smaller form. He was told that he could work that day, but on the following day he must wear official uniform. But the dice was cast and he wore his unofficial official uniform until the weather broke. His sense of triumph when the post office issued some very smart navy shorts knew no bounds. Today, when I see our local postman on his walk wearing shorts, which sometimes makes me think that my five-hour stint produced something much smarter and stylish. Thank you, Maura. Now, Penny. The next letter um, is from Heather Atkinson of Worcester. And the, the, the headline says, Travelling Woes at Station. Dear Editor, May I, I, through your newspaper, offer some advice to persons travelling on trains via the comparatively new Worcestershire Parkway station? Be prepared. One, there is not a waiting room, just a few seats underneath the staircase, which is very open and draughty. Two, no refreshments, not even a vending machine. Our train was half an hour late, so we would have enjoyed a warm drink at least. Three, passengers have to go onto an open platform in the rain to board or alight from the train. Four, on our return journey, still raining, our pre-booked taxi driver said he could not come to the station entrance to pick us up. We had to walk to the taxi a hundred yards or so away. If we use Worcestershire Parkway Station again, it will have to be in the summer. Thank you, Penny. Well, we're going to start the articles now. And I'm going to ask our newest reader to start us off. So it's over to Annabelle Hall, who's going to read us our first article. The headline is Lifesaver Awarded. An off-duty firefighter saved a rugby player's life after co he collapsed on a pitch. Joshua Shakura Warmington was taking part in football training when he noticed that a rugby player had collapsed on a neighbouring pitch. The 28-year-old from Droitwich acted quickly, using his fire service training to help save the player's life. The Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service firefighter said, I raced over, followed by Molly, the team physio, and began CPR with help from two of the rugby guys, Matt, who is one of the players, and Joe, who is an A&E doctor. They were rugby training on the opposite pitch while a defibrillator was fetched from the leisure centre. After continuing with CPR, Josh and Joe were then able to give a full briefing to the paramedics who arrived to take over. The rugby player was gone, has gone on to make a full recovery. 
at the recent Hereford and Worcester Fire Rescue Service Awards ceremony at Worcester Guild Hall, Josh received the Chief Fire Officer's Certificate of Commendation. Each year, the award is presented to someone who has shown an outstanding act of individual endeavour which helped to save or protect a life. I felt very lucky to be able to use the life-saving skills that Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service have taught me to be able to assist in someone's hour of need, said Josh. I would highly recommend learning the basics of CPR as you never know who, who, who could be in a situation like this. The ceremony saw HW, HWFRS staff members recognised for their efforts. Sean Silcox picked up the award for Top Whole Time Recruit of the Year. Lee Tasker Deveron won Top On-Call Recruit of the Year and Trevor Connolly was named the Firefighters Charity Supporter of the Year. Speaking after the event, HWFRS Fire Chief Fire Officer, Chief Executive John Price said, and other fantastic Worcestershire medals and award ceremony tonight. It was great to meet all the worthy recipients and their families. Thank you to all those who made the evening such a special event. From Tuesday the 6th of December, issue on page two, we find the headline, Council Facing £13 million Gap in Budget. The cash-strapped County Council is already facing a £13 million gap in its budget for this year as the cost of social care continues to soar. Worcestershire County Council has revealed the financial hole blaming rising costs and inflation on the overspend. The huge gap comes despite the authority using millions of pounds from its reserves to plug several gaps as slashing at its budget by making almost £5 million in cuts this year alone. On top of millions of pounds of cuts, managers and staff have been ordered to slow down or cease expenditure wherever possible, including holding vacancies and stopping non-essential spend, including buying stationery, subscriptions and attending training events. The current predicted £13 million gap in the budget, which covers the financial year up to the end of October, remains even after £5 million has already been moved from the Council's reserves to pay for services. The Council has not ruled out turning to its reserves again to fill any further holes in the budget before next April. The National Pay Award, which amounts to a £1,925 increase for each full-time staff member, had not been budgeted and would cost the council around £4 million, which would be paid for, again, through the authorities' reserves, it said. The County Council's Cabinet meets on Thursday, December the 8th, to discuss the financial forecast. The rising cost of care, where the Council is already facing a £13 million overspend in adult social care, as well as £8.5 million at Worcestershire Children First, which runs children's services on behalf of the Council, makes up the bulk of the budget cap. In all, Cabinet papers ask for councillors to agree for almost £19 million to be potentially moved from the council's reserves to pay for some of this year's costs, including four million for wage rises, four million for children's services, 
and £1 million to plug gaps in the adult social care budget. The Council's dedicated schools grant reserves, which fund the county schools and is made up of money given to the Council through a national government formula based on the makeup of schools, are also facing a £20 million gap by the end of 2024. The reserves already have an £11 million gap because of previously, previous years of overspending, and it is expected to reach £15.6 million by March next year. High needs funding for children with special educational needs is also facing a £5 million gap by 2024. Here's another sign of the times. An article with the heading Church Heating Cut to Meet Costs. And there's a picture of Clane's Church with an inset picture of a radiator with the thermostat set low. Parishioners have been asked to sit at the front of a church which can only afford to heat part of the building. Faced with a considerable increase in electricity, clergy at St John Baptist Church in Clanes has been forced to make changes to cut bills. They include heating only part of the church and asking parishioners to sit towards the front and in the centre to stay warm. The energy saving changes to the church are set to begin in January 2023. However, the church will also not be floodlit for Advent and Christmas. A spokesperson for Clane's Church said, The considerable increase in electricity, I think they mean electricity costs, <laughs> has forced most of us to consider ways of saving energy. At home, we may have turned off our central heating and instead sit in one room by a single heater. We have the same problems at church. From January 2023, we want to turn off the heating in those parts of the church we are not using, such as the Catherine Chapel and the Lady Chapel, as well as some of the pews at the back and sides of the church. For heat conservation, the church has asked for parishioners to sit near the front central part of the nave. The spokesperson continued, It would really help us if you can choose seating in the front central part of the nave. Our sides persons will help you to find warm seating areas and these will also be indicated by notices at the end of each pew. For services with very large congregations, the heated areas will be increased so that everyone will be comfortable. Heating for the congregation is provided by electric heaters located under each pew, so we are able to alter the heating to suit requirements and save money. We've also decided not to floodlight the church for Advent and Christmas this year as another way of saving energy. Thank you for your understanding. The cost of living crisis is resulting in a lot of households cracking down on energy usage and business in Worcester making difficult decisions to close. Clane's Church 
was also recently awarded a total of £30,000 in grant funding towards its toilet and vestry project. The next article comes from Tuesday's edition, that's December the 6th. Women and girls to take to the streets. A march through the streets of Worcester is being held this week to highlight violence against women and girls and ongoing male violence. Women and male allies are being invited to join the Reclaim the Night march taking place in Worcester City Centre on Thursday, December the 8th. The group will meet in Angel Place at 6.30pm before walking in solidarity through Worcester. After the march, there will be speakers and refreshments at Sugar Daddy's Cafe in Trinity Passage. This year's event has been organised locally by West Mercia Rape and Sexual Abuse Support Centre and is also supported by local partners Women's Aid, Unison, Out Together and The Joy Project. Jocelyn Anderson, CEO at the WMRSASC said the march is an opportunity to remind people that violence against women and girls is not a thing of the past to raise awareness and demand support for survivors in 2021 to 2022 WMRSASC received an additional 2722 new referrals for support averaging around 52 women, men and children per week coming forward. Less than 60% of them had any involvement with the police. Demand for our services still outstrips supply and our counselling services remain, still remain unfunded. We will welcome anyone who is outraged by ongoing male violence and wants to show solidarity to women and girls who have experienced violence to march with us. A spokesperson from Unison said, Recent years have seen an unprecedented rise in misogyny and violence against women across the world. According to the World Health Organization, one in three women globally around 736 million, have been subjected to physical or sexual violence in their lifetimes. An estimated 1.6 million women, aged 16 to 74, suffered domestic abuse in England and Wales in 2021, and around 5.1 million women, aged 18 to 74, were victims of some form of abuse as a child. Tragically, in the year ending March 2020, 81 women were killed in a domestic homicide. In 2021, one in three women over the age of 16 in Great Britain were subjected to at least one form of harassment. This increases to two in three for women aged 16 to 34. Women make up a high proportion of Unison members, so we at Unison Worcestershire branch are proud to support Reclaim the Night in Worcester, demanding that women be able to move safely throughout public spaces at night. For more information, visit https colon forward slash forward slash 
www.westmerciawomensaid.org forward slash. Okay, um, my story is um, Fair Could Run Longer. Extending the Victorian Christmas Fair in the future is always a possibility, says the leader of the City Council. Following the return of Worcester's Victorian Christmas Fair, many Worcester news readers said they wished the event could be extended to give people more of an opportunity to visit. Councillor Chris Mitchell, leader of Worcester City Council, said the council would also be willing to listen to residents' feedback, but businesses in the city centre would need to be considered. He said, these things are always a possibility. If residents' feedback is positive, then it is also something we are willing to consider. Of course, the event does have an effect on the shops in the city centre, so they also would need to be considered if this was to ever happen. The event sees thousands of people come to visit across four days, with hundreds of independent traders, fairground rides and entertainment found all throughout the city centre. A Worcester City Council spokesman said, thousands of people have already turned out to make the most of the festive joy that the Victorian Fair brings to Worcester, from the unique stalls and traders to the packed programme of street entertainment. It's always great to get such an enthusiastic response from visitors to the event, and every year we review how the fair goes, taking into account any new ideas that people have so that it can come back packed full of new energy in the years ahead. Councillor Lynn Denham, Cathedral Ward City Councillor, says to extend the event, the cost and level of organisation would need to be considered. However, she warned the four-day event already has a big impact on those who live in the city centre. She said, We certainly missed the fair when it was not happening during Covid, and it is amazing to see it return. It obviously causes significant disruption to normal life for Worcester residents, so if it was to be extended, it would have to be about finding the proper balance. The cost and level of organisation would need to be considered. On December the 7th, Wednesday's evening news, there's a really nice story uh, related to uh, Bishop Perone School. The headline, School is Official New Link to College. Bishop Perone Church of England College has become the official link school for New College Worcester. The school will be running events throughout the academic year to raise funds for New College Worcester and build strong community links between the students at both schools. New College Worcester is a national residential school and college for young people aged 11 to 19 who are blind or vision impaired. As an independent non-maintained special school, it relies on fundraising and charitable donations to continue its work in supporting blind and visually impaired children. The first of these fundraising events, the Bishop's Bake Off House Competition, took place last month. Bishop Perone students baked a variety of goods to be judged by members of Bishop Perone and New College Worcester. The competition had over 60 entries and the overall winner was chosen as Owen Davies, Year 9, with his royalty-inspired cake honouring the late Queen. Students were then able to purchase the bakes as a break-time treat, raising £130.42 for New College Worcester. 
Jane Price, head teacher at Bishop Perone Church of England College, said, It's great to be working with New College Worcester, and we're looking forward to all the exciting opportunities this official partnership will create for both Bishop Perone and New College Worcester students. We're already pleased with the success of our Bake Off event. Well done to all the students who took part and to our overall winner, Owen. We're delighted that the funds will be helping to support students at New College Worcester and we've got many more events planned which will take place throughout the academic year. Thank you to the members of New College Worcester who joined us as judges for this first event. The next article, Ambulance Workers to Strike in Pay Row. Thousands of ambulance workers and other NHS staff will strike for two days in December, unions have confirmed. The action over a pay dispute will see more than 10,000 ambulance workers in England and Wales strike on December the 21st and December the 28th. Among them are staff from West Midlands Ambulance Service, paramedics, emergency care assistants, call handlers and other staff who will join the walkout. GMB, Unison and Unite Unions announced. Staff at many NH Trusts will take part in the strike action from the southwest to the northwest, southeast, northeast, Wales and, of course, as has already been said, from our local area, West Midlands. Rachel Harrison, GMB National Secretary, said ambulance workers, like other NHS workers, are on their knees. Demoralised and downtrodden, they've faced 12 years of conservative cuts to the service and their pay packets, fought on the front line of a global pandemic and now face the worst cost of living crisis in a generation. No one in the NHS takes strike action lightly. Today just shows how desperate they are. This is as much about unsafe staffing levels and patient safety as it is about pay. A third of GMB ambulance workers think delays they've been involved with have led to the death of a patient. Something has to change or the service as we know it will collapse. GMB calls on the government to avoid a winter of NHS strikes by negotiating a pay award that these workers deserve. The union's general secretary, Christina McAneer, said the decision to take action and lose a day's pay is always a tough call. It's especially challenging for those whose jobs involve caring and saving lives. But thousands of ambulance staff and their NHS colleagues know delays won't lessen, nor waiting times reduce, until the government acts on wages. That's why they've taken the difficult decision to strike. Patients will always come first, and emergency cover will be available during any strike but unless NHS pay and staffing get fixed, services and care will continue 
to decline. And the next article is from Friday, December the 2nd. And it features a photograph of the beautiful facade of the Guildhall with a small inset photograph of Councillor Bayliss. The headline is Leader is Locked Out. The City Council's departing leader missed the vote to choose his replacement after he was locked out of a council building. Councillor Mark Bayliss, who stepped down as leader of Worcester City Council earlier this month, had left the council chamber at the Guildhall before the crunch vote on his replacement to, quote, fetch something from his car, only to find that he was unable to get back in for 20 minutes, missing the handover. Despite several fruitless attempts to get back into the Guildhall, including a shot at, quote, almost smashing the door in, end quote, he was unable to return to the meeting in time to see Deputy Leader Councillor Chris Mitchell officially make the step up to the top job. A furious Councillor Bayliss told the Chamber after his return, I went outside to grab something from the car and all of the doors to this building are locked. There is no way for any member of the public... I've been ringing the doorbell, smashing the front door down nearly to try and get back in. We talk about access to the public and hearing our debates and that sort of thing. There's absolutely no way into this building at night and I call upon the officers to review the situation so that people can get to our meetings if they want to. There is absolutely no way. I've been out there banging on the front door, the back door, any door to try and get some attention in this building. I apologise for missing part of this meeting, but that's my explanation for doing it. At the full council meeting in the Guildhall on Tuesday, November the 29th, the Conservatives, who remain the biggest party on the council but do not have a majority, voted to elect Councillor Mitchell as one of the council's joint leaders under, under May's supposed power-sharing agreement. Following local elections in May, the city council fell back into no overall control after just one year with the Conservatives losing its one-seat majority. The Greens, fresh from several successes at the city's polls, proposed that the leadership of the council was shared by the Conservatives and Labour. But with, but with Labour refusing to cooperate, the Council had been led by Councillor Bayliss since. Labour, who voted against Council Councillor Mitchell's nomination, are still refusing to take part and did nominate a co-leader, which means that a Conservative will again be joint leader alone. It might have got tricky with Councillor Bayliss out of the room, leaving only 14 Conservatives to vote in favour of Councillor Mitchell's nomination, just nicking through by a single vote with the 13 with Labour, which was also missing a councillor, and the Lib Dems voting against, and the Greens, as they did in May, abstaining. David Blake 
the managing director of the city council, apologised to Councillor Bayliss during the meeting and said that he would make sure it did not happen again. Okay, award for kindest teacher in the UK. A teacher from a school in Powick has been voted as one of the kindest and loveliest in the country, according to a radio station competition. Teacher Jane Cluley from Powick Primary School ended up on Magic FM on Wednesday, November the 30th, after DJs from Magic FM set out to find the country's kindest teacher. The competition was inspired by Miss Honey, who was the kind teacher from Roald Dahl's book Matilda. And children from across the country have been nominating their favourite teachers by writing applications, and the top five teachers were selected according to what the children had to say about them. Teddy, who is a year six pupil at Poet Primary School, nominated his favourite teacher, Mrs Cluley. A spokesperson from the school said, On Wednesday morning we were visited by the breakfast show team at Magic FM. They've been running a competition to find the country's top five kindest and most lovely teachers in honour of Miss Honey, the kind teacher in the role Dahl book Matilda. Children from around the country nominated their teachers by writing applications and the top five were selected according to what the children had to say about them. We are all very grateful to Mrs Cluley, who always gives up her time to help children and their families here at Poic, as well as modelling our school values perfectly with her caring, polite and friendly manner. I am sure you will join us in offering her huge congratulations on being recognised as one of the country's kindest teachers. And thank you also to Teddy, who gave his own time to nominate her and has also earned himself a prize and an amazing 2,000 prize for the school. Matilda was originally published in 1988 and is based on a nine-year-old girl with extraordinary powers who loves to read. She is also inspired by a particularly kind teacher called Miss Honey who encourages her passion for learning. Wednesday, December the 7th. Uh, on Thursday, December the 8th, we find a lovely picture, photograph of... Um, the Reverend Joe Musson, Quest members Alan Long, Paul Fulbrook, together with Otto the dog, uh, and Dawn, the manager of the uh, garden centre, David in Cherry Lane. And this is because the local group wins community bench. Local bereavement group Quest in Clanes has won a special commemorative seating bench from Value Garden Centre David's. By Cherry Lane. The competition ran as part of Cherry Lane's 21st anniversary celebrations earlier this year and invited customers to nominate a worthy cause in their local community. The bench has just been presented and will be taking pride of place within the garden at Clanes Parish Hall, where Quest meets every month. Reverend Joe Musson, Vicar of Clanes Church and St George's Church, Worcester, said, we are delighted to receive this lovely seating bench from Cherry Lane, which will be placed in our garden, which is affectionately known as The Patch. Quest is such an important local group, where the members really enjoy meeting up and making friends with others who understand what they're going through. The bench will be used not only by Quest, but also by many other local groups who regularly meet at the hall too. Dawn, the manager at David's by Cherry Lane, said 
As a local business, we are keen to support our local community and it seemed fitting to give something back as we celebrate this milestone in Cherry Lane's history. We had some brilliant suggestions from our customers for this competition. It was extremely hard to choose just one worthy winner. We are very pleased to present this commemorative bench to Quest, which we hope will be enjoyed for many years to come. A total of 21 benches have been donated by Cherry Lane to worthy causes in the areas around its garden centres as part of the 21st anniversary celebrations. And now something not quite so attractive. The headline is Kinder Drug Surprise Find. A cocaine drug dealer who hid Class A drugs in Kinder Surprise eggs and who was caught in Worcester, has been given a lengthy jail sentence. Andrew Poulton Smith was initially arrested and charged after police discovered a large quantity of suspected Class A drugs worth thousands of pounds in a white Audi A5 in a car park off Tybridge Street. The court heard The discovery was made in the Worcester car park on September the 15th this year. The drugs were recovered from a bum bag with some concealed inside Kinder eggs. The 22-year-old had previously admitted possession of a controlled drug of Class A, diamorphine, with intent to supply and at missing Class A, crack cocaine, also with intent to supply. Poulton Smith of Woden Road East, Wednesbury, also previously admitted breaching a suspended jail sentence. That was given to him on April the 26, 2021. Two months jail suspended for 18 months for possession of a bladed article. At an earlier hearing, Poulton Smith had been warned by Judge Nicholas Cartwright there was a risk the suspended sentence would be activated. Judge Martin Jackson gave Poulton Smith three years in jail for the drug offences and activated the suspending sentence, with a total sentence handed to him of three years and two months. After the drugs were seized, Detective Inspector Dave Knight of South Worcestershire Proactive CID told us he believed it would send a clear message to any dealers thinking of plying their trade on the streets of Worcester. He said, It's a really successful operation involving a number of policing departments led by South Worcestershire Proactive CID. It's a really significant amount of drugs that have been taken off the streets. It sends a clear message to any would-be dealers that West Mercia Police will do all we can to identify them and arrest them. This will inevitably see them serving significant sentences in prison. West Mercia Police rely upon information from the public to tackle drug dealing. D.I. Knight said, Anybody with any information about suspected drug dealing can call West Mercia Police on 101 or Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800-555-111. And in the event of an emergency, they can call 999. 
It has a photograph of Councillor Jill Desera um, in Warnden in front of a notice saying, All welcome, none excluded. And Jill is a champion of the free brunch and Saturday soup in Warnden, Worcester. Free brunch and advice. Free meals at a church are keeping people fed, watered and warm during the cost of living crisis and the fight is on to get them the right benefits. Throughout Worcester, various agencies have joined forces to provide free meals at St Wollstone's Church in Cranham Drive, Warnden on Saturdays between 10am and noon. A team of volunteers serve sausage and bacon, sandwiches or vegan options, hot and cold drinks. The brunches started on October the 1st and have proved a hit with the people of Warnden. Vicar Sarah Northall came up with the idea and Council Jill Desera, Labour Councillor for Warnden, organised and promoted it. There are now plans to extend the scheme with Saturday soup between noon and 2pm for 12 weeks from the first Saturday after the new year, January the 7th, after sponsorship was again secured. Councillor Desera said people on prepaid metres were paying more per watt than people on direct debit. The people who can afford it the least are charged the most. It's unfair. Some of my residents are vulnerable and finding life hard. I'm here to help them in any way I can, as are my amazing little group of local volunteers. The scheme is sponsored through Platform Housing's Community Fund and the Blakemore Foundation. It's great to see them supporting the local community. Everybody is suffering in this difficult time. In terms of emotional support, people become more isolated as the winter draws in. It's about tackling loneliness. A lot of people who come live on their own. I'm getting calls from people who are desperate, looking for help and advice. They are starting to be overwhelmed. Councillor Desera is part of a cross-party group of city councillors who formed a subcommittee expressly to generate ideas on ways to support people through these extremely challenging times. It was this group who asked the the council to build a one-stop shop, its cost-of-living crisis website. A directory of services has been collated, including all of the warm hubs that have registered from across the city. The cross-party group will continue to work together to help people, having already gained approval to fund an extra person to work at the local Citizens Advice Bureau in the city. The other group members are Councillor Louis Stephen, Councillor Lucy Hodgson and Councillor Karen Lawrence. Councillor Desera said, Each of us is doing our bit to help people through these awful times, working together, but also individually on projects like the St Wollstone Saturday Brunch and Soup. We all hope these efforts of ours are short-term, but there can be no let-up until we are sure they are no longer needed. An Audi driver caused traffic chaos in the city centre after abandoning his car to get a drink from Tesco. However, 
They may have regretted their impromptu shopping trip as the police were waiting for them on their return to the car. Eyewitnesses were left gobsmacked when they saw the man park his blue Audi on double yellows outside Fourgate Street Station at 3.30pm on Tuesday. It is an area well known for causing tailbacks and the actions caused traffic to build up with other drivers forced into the oncoming bus lane. Bystanders also praised police who arrived quickly at the scene and dealt with the situation. One eyewitness said, A man left his car in the middle of the road outside Fourgate Street Station just to go to Tesco to get a drink. All pedestrians were standing on the side, quite amazed at how someone would be this selfish to leave the car unattended on double yellows on a busy street just to get something from Tesco. But I'm sure people were much happier seeing our police handling it so well. Worcester News has contacted West Mercia Police about the incident. Last month, Worcester City Council vowed to crack down on drivers parking illegally in and around Worcester's taxi ranks, including Fourgate Street. Some of the city's taxi drivers have been calling for extra patrols to put a stop to over-ranking and problematic parking and blame the council for not patrolling ranks regularly and penalising drivers. The council said more than 40 fines were handed out in November, including nine in a day during a patrol of city centre taxi ranks. Concerns have also been raised in recent weeks about parking problems in Cathedral Square. The area has been described as looking like a car park at times, with cars parked outside the square's bars and restaurants. But delivery drivers have hit back at accusations that they are to blame, saying the public also park on the square for nights out. Mazdal Shakil also questioned where else delivery drivers are supposed to park. He said, Should we tell restaurants in Cathedral Square to stop doing deliveries? It is easy saying park legally, but where though? Local delivery drivers get treated unfairly by everyone when they just want to make a living to provide for their family. And talking of Fourgate Street, on uh, December the 3rd, we had a lovely litho print of, uh, for, uh, the, uh, of uh, Fourgate Street attached to a lovely reminisce article after all the bad news elsewhere. When we had a hotel, or an hotel, it's long been a beef in some quarters that Worcester doesn't have a really posh hotel. A five-star establishment with a silky smooth maitre d' lifts to all floors and uniformed door staff greeting your arrival. There have been a few false dawns over the last 50 years or so. The Lichgate redevelopment of the sixes produced the Gifford and more recently the conversion of the old founds of glove factory on City Walls Road but none have come remotely near cutting the mustard. Remember the days when the best hotel in town was the star in Fourgate Street, with its revolving entrance door, watering hole for Cliff Richard, Adam Faith, David Bowie, etc., after their shows on stage at the nearby Gaumont Cinema. While well, just along the A38 Droitwich had the best of the rest, although now the Raven and the Worcestershire are long gone and the Chateau Impney has had its ups and downs. 
but there was a time when Worcester did have a hotel fit to receive not only the national treasure that was Lord Nelson, but also a future queen in Princess Victoria, and she wouldn't have stayed in any old place. <laughs> Sadly, hardly anything remains of the building now. The Hot Pole Inn once stood on the corner of Shaw Street and Fourgate Street, on the railway station side and opposite Barclay Hospital almshouses. Today, the plot is occupied by modern offices, and the only reminder of the name for anyone who goes back that far was the Hop Pole Coffee Bar over the road in the 1960s. Similar name, very different clientele. The Hop Pole Inn was first mentioned in St Nicholas Parish Records in 1742 and in 1749 was described as newly erected or rebuilt. By then the city ditch had been filled in and the remains of the old foregate had disappeared. The new hotel was very spacious compared with those elsewhere in the city and soon began attracting wealthy county families. The Tories even chose it as their headquarters. It had a particularly handsome assembly room which hosted Nelson when he visited Worcester in 1802. However, the battered old war hero was in a rather grumpy mood, complaining about the attitude of those damned glover women, who, he believed, did not show sufficient respect to his lady companion, Lady Hamilton, a society beauty used to being admired wherever she went. In 1830, Princess Victoria stayed at the Hot Pole when visiting the Three Choirs Festival, although her appearance drew such large crowds and royal party became worried for her safety. In 1842, the Hot Pole was taken over by a Mr Scott, who had different but no less lofty ideas for the building. He soon closed it as a hotel, and after considerable alterations to the frontage, Victoria House emerged the most high-class shop in the city. The property then had a succession of owners, among them W.K. Hogben from London's New Bond Street, who had it until 1926. But social aspirations gradually declined, and in the late 1940s it became a branch of L.H. Fearis Limited, local grocers and bakers, who had several shops around Worcester. Finally, in the late 60s, the building was converted into offices, particularly being used by estate agents. The footsteps of Victoria and Nelson but a faraway echo as they look for somewhere to stay in Worcester today. Gifts arrive safely. A lorry full of presents from Evesham has arrived at its destination. Teams for You, Evesham, part of the International Children's Charity, collected more than 8,000 shoeboxes filled with toiletries, clothes and toys for Ukrainian refugees. A lorry driven by Niku and containing 8,633 shoeboxes set off from the charity's warehouse on Davies Road at the end of last month. On Thursday, December the 1st, the lorry arrived in the city of Oradea in Romania. Upon arrival, it was unloaded by Teams4U Evesham's partner, Raoul Gerl, 
along with many helpers. Raul is a social worker in Romania and runs a charitable organization called Friends Hope for Humanity, which helps tackle homelessness. On Saturday, December the 3rd, the team back in Evesham loaded up a second lorry with 9,250 shoeboxes on board. The second lorry is now on its way to Romania, but will instead head to the city of Arad before progressing over the Danube Delta to the t city of Tulcea on the Black Sea. Next week, a small team of volunteers, Emma Walker, Paul and Alison Jeans, from the Evesham Warehouse will head out to Romania. There they will spend a week helping to give out shoeboxes to vulnerable children and families in need. And boxes will also be loaded onto another lorry and taken up close to the Ukraine border where they will give out shoeboxes to children who have fled their country in the recent conflict. Women work for free. Women living in Worcestershire will effectively work more than three weeks for free this year due to the gender pay gap, figures suggest. Women's rights charity, the Fawcett Society, said progress in reducing the gender pay gap is too slow and called on the government to introduce measures to help women into higher paying work, especially during the cost of living crisis. The Office for National Statistics estimates show estimates show full-time female workers in Worcestershire earned an average of 18 pounds and sixpence per hour excluding overtime as of April while their male peers earned 19 pounds 37 a gap of 6.8 percent it means that by the end of the year women will have effectively worked without pay since December the 7th Across the UK, the full-time female workforce is paid an average hourly rate of £18.09, 11.3% less than the £20.04 hourly wage earned by men. Hourly figures are used to remove the effect of overtime. Equal pay day will be marked on November the 20th, after which women across the country effectively stop earning relative to men. By the Fawcett Society, who said the rising cost of living means raising awareness of the pay gap is vital for women across the country. Jemima Olchowski, chief executive of the Fawcett Society, said, Progress on tackling the gender pay gap is too slow, and evidence continues to stack up that women want to see more being done. In the context of labour market shortages and the cost of living crisis, we really can't afford not to act. We urgently need action from both the government and employers. The gender pay gap is the estimated difference between the average hourly wage for men and women across all jobs and is different from the concept of equal pay, which means men and women doing the same job must be paid the same. For part-time workers across the country, the gender pay gap was 0.2% last year, while in Worcestershire, women earned 
more than men in part-time roles. The Fawcett Society also called on the government to make flexible working available to all to help more women and mothers into work. It said employers should also stop asking discriminatory wage history questions and publish salary bans on job adverts. The government's Equality Hub said the overall trend of the national gender pay gap has decreased over time since 1997. A spokesperson added that the government has introduced legislation for the right to flexible working and shared parental leave and pay. Thank you, Penny. And that's our last article for this recording. We've reached the end for tonight. And our thanks go to Moira, Richard, Penny and Alex for reading and recording. And to Carol Hartle for leading our admin work. We hope you've enjoyed listening and that you'll be back for more next time. So, with best wishes from me, Evelyn, and from all the team, goodbye. Bye. And now for the obituaries. Valerie Cashion, nay Samuels, passed away peacefully at the Primrose Unit Princess of Wales Hospital on the 29th of November, aged 69 years. A funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 14th of December at 1.45pm at Val's request, no black ties, a splash of pink and bright clothing. Family flowers only. Marion Collins of Quarry Pits Farm, Dormston, passed away peacefully after a short illness on November the 15th, 2022, aged 92 years. A memorial service will take place at St Nicholas Church, Dormston, on Tuesday, December the 20th at 2pm. Donations, if desired, for the Addington Fund. Harry Cull died peacefully in hospital on the 26th of November 2022. He was 102. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday 20th of December 2022 at 2.30pm. Family flowers only. John Morton Bell, known as John, from St John's, Worcester, passed away peacefully on Friday the 18th of November at Henrik Grange Care Home, aged 81 years. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday 13th December at 10am. Family flowers only, please. Noel Whitaker died peacefully at home on the 27th of November, aged 99 years. The funeral service is to take place at Worcester Crematorium at 10am on Thursday 15th of December. Family flowers only. John Albert passed away peacefully at home aged 83 years on the 15th of November 2022. The funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 16th of December at 2.30pm. At John's request please no dark Colour clothing to be worn, family flowers only. Mark Anthony Digenes 
passed away at home on the 4th of November, aged 67 years. His funeral will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 16th at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please. Susan, Susan Lyle, a former teacher at St Clement's Primary School, died at home on the 27th of November, aged 79 years. Funeral services at St Stephen's Church on Wednesday the 14th of December at 1pm, followed by a private interment. Family flowers only, please. Margaret Jean Wainwright passed away peacefully at home on the 26th of November, aged 90 years. The funeral service will take place at Hereford Crematorium on the 15th of December at 3.15. Family flowers only, please. Barbara Mavanwi Kessel passed away peacefully, surrounded by her family, on Friday the 18th of November. A funeral service will take place at the Vale Crematorium on Tuesday the 20th of December at 11am. And Jean Martin, known as Pat, formerly of Witchbold, passed away peacefully on the 27th of November, aged 89 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 15th of December at 11.30am and family flowers only please. <laughs> 